And Dude, Nate's been having a week. And yeah, what's what's up with Nate? Give us the Nate breakdown. So he's in Brazil, right? And yeah. the first day he goes to Brazil, I don't know what the hell happened, but he got kicked out of his Airbnb like the very first day. Um, oh, I don't, headache. I don't know why, but he's been trying to find somewhere to sleep for the last like three nights, and he's not trying even trading at all. Him. Yeah, dude, traveling. They said it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all. Everyone that fucking talks about travel, like most of them aren't even ever traveling in the first place. They're like, oh, it's great, man. Yeah, yeah not as a trader. I I try to avoid it like the plague. Yeah, you got some to... serious horror stories. Yeah, I got horror you stories, do. but my whole family, everyone, like all my friends, they all live in a different place. So we're traveling quite a lot. And uh, I don't know, I've, I've gotten pretty seasoned at it, let's just say, but it sucks. You get to get a farmhouse with some chickens and be like, <laughs> I can't leave. Sorry, I gotta maintain the chickens. I think that's my yeah, seriously. That's my 2023, 2024 strategy. Find something that makes you have to stay in one area for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for anybody listening, I'm the moderator today. Let's go. Oh, dude, I'm I'm stoked. I'm ready. So if I suck, let me know because I'll I won't do it next week. But um. <laughs> Normally we do like a 10 minutes per person and we'll talk about like biggest lessons of the week, but I'm going to try to do something a little different where I'm going to ask questions to Toby and Alex. And then maybe I could answer a little bit too about just uh, like just questions that probably anybody would want to know about pretty much any trader. So um, I've been thinking about this for a while. I never even really heard Alex's like trading origin story. Like when, like, what was the first time that you ever even were like exposed to the stock market? Well, there's, it's, you know, I think one of my earliest memories <laughs> when it comes to, uh, I don't know what, like, what I was interested in work-wise was I kept asking my dad like about, um, cause you know, you 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 make money as a kid. You either either have an allowance, you work for it. We walk dogs in our neighborhood. And we always got money, and my dad would like teach me about like okay, well like savings and then interest rates. So all, a lot of my first discussions with uh, my dad work wise was about interest rates. How how do I grow my own capital? So somehow I was always really interested in that as a kid. And then you know, high school comes along. We do like a stock trading competition game. Uh, That's cool. my team won that, but I think we just YOLO'd on some crap. I don't even remember what we traded. Um, and then from there, I just got a little bit on the back burner, my interest in finance, because I was so busy working with my brother, a lot of projects, um, finance, uh, not finance project. We were software developers more or less and marketing. We had our own basically it firm, um, running a few projects. That was Enzlo, right? Yeah, that was Enzlo. Exactly. Um, uh, but I always liked trading, um, and finance, I was always like, you know, building a dividend portfolio and all that stuff. And then when I went to college in New York City, I watched, um, have you ever seen Wall Street Warriors? I've heard of it's, it like a million times. It's a series. Um, yeah, it's a series where just some really random, I don't know how they got these random bunch of people together. And they it was kind of like a reality show. They just kind of followed them around. And one of the people they followed around was actually Tim Sykes when he was trying to start yep. a hedge fund back in the day. So then I looked him up and then I got actually, 
kind of interested in a lot of the actual day trading because I was really just, like I said, dividend investing at the time. Uh, so I dabbled with that for a little bit, watching all sorts of stuff. Uh, back then, there wasn't so much on YouTube from what I remember. So it was really like, you know, finding traders that had public information. Um, I know Tim Sykes is always kind of like famous for having like his DVDs, um, but that's pretty much what it was. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd, you'd be looking for content to study uh, back then. Nowadays, it's like you're almost overwhelmed with content. Um, and then I did that for like a year and a half. I got profitable. But again, I was like still like my primary source of income was my my company with my brother. So that was always taking the forefront. Um, and then I moved to, I did like a really long road trip, moved to Europe. And at the time, like Heiko and I were kind of tying up a lot of loose ends. We we're wrapping up uh, some business deals and some things were fizzling out. Other things were, we were kind of like moving in our own directions. Heiko was, you know, growing the YouTube and his fishing stuff. And I was, you know, wrapping up my road trip. And then I was like, what do I really want to do? And we were wrapping up a few other things with the company. It was like stable income. We had our projects, but we didn't really have the passion to grow it. So I was like, I always wanted to do trading. So that's when I went all in on trading. And that was like 2016, no, 2017. No, maybe like halfway through 2017. And that's when I was like doing crypto. I traded crypto for two years and that was actually working pretty well, but I was driving myself a little bit insane with the 24 seven market. That's why I'm like kind of anti-Forex, anti any market yeah. that, doesn't have an opening bell, uh, at least for trading. For investing, sure, great. But yeah, for trading, it was too much. And then in 2019, uh, right before Thanksgiving, I think it was like in October, all the brokerages in the USA were like, no more commission, no more commission. And I was like, man, screw trading crypto. It's a nightmare. It's expensive. It's a slow market in terms of day trading. Like I find it very slow. I mean, when you look at small caps in the US, like US small caps, they're crazy. You know, two, mm -hmm. three, 500%, 3,000%. We've seen it all. Uh, so then, then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to stream every day and I'm going to make a recap every day. I kind of got that idea, I think a little bit from Ross, uh, who was doing something similar at the time. And that's what I've been doing for the small account challenge. And then that leads me pretty much to where I am now as a full-time trader. Wow. So that's my story. <laughs> Sorry. And that that's in 20. No, it was awesome. Yeah. 2019 is whenever, was that like, when did you start Cherry Journal? Um, that actually, I started with the crypto stuff, but I started Trade Journal. That was like all Google Sheets. So every year that Google Sheets updated and then it was kind of getting really hard to manage the versions. And I was like, a lot of people were asking me for it. And so I would, you know, give people the versions and then I would have like an update. It was a little tricky to always update these things. And I was like, screw it. Like I've been doing web projects since I was like 16, 17 years old. Let me just put basically the Google Sheets into a simple, you know, yeah, online trading journal um, that anyone can access. Plus, it's easier to share trades and stuff like that. Um, with the Google Sheets, with the permissions, it was always a little confusing and messy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where Trade Journal started. I just started coding it on the side. So the first two years, the progress was very slow. So it was always like, oh, I had two hours here, three hours here. So it was kind of just very slowly. But now we have a, it's me, a developer. We had like five interns last year, but um yeah, that was that was a lot to manage. <laughs> that took a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if anything, we'd be looking to hire another developer at one point um, if we if we keep growing. Which um, right now we're growing really nice month over month. Uh, so it's exciting. Yeah, it's been so. It's been a while. I mean, I think the first time I ever saw you 
on YouTube was back in like 2019 and you were live streaming. And then I yeah. joined the Good discord. Times. Yeah, dude. I used to always be commenting just whatever I could fucking think of in your uh, YouTube videos. And you'd respond to me and I'd be like, holy shit, they actually responded because streaming was not, uh, it wasn't like a popular thing until, I mean, it, it's probably been popular for like five years, but I didn't really start watching anyone streaming anything until like two years ago. So That's how it was I interesting. Too, yeah. It was interesting to like, actually be able to interact with somebody in real time about something you're interested in. And I was yeah. always like, you would go into other streams and a lot of the time it was either too big of a stream. So the person wouldn't notice you like your comments or your questions or anything. So I'd go into the smaller streams and they still wouldn't like respond because people were just, I don't know, they were just shy or whatever. And I remember commenting on yours and you would always respond and be like, Oh, this is cool. I can actually like interact with a trader that's doing it professionally. And Yeah. It was fun hanging out with the community, um, but it's definitely distracting for sure. So I would miss a lot of trades. You probably saw that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of back and forth. It's tough to fully iron out. I think Relentless Trader is probably experiencing some of that, but oh, yeah. he has great streams too. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a great way for all of us to kind of get to learn each other a little bit more one-on-one. -on -one. That, was, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Actually, I will say this. One of the one of the funniest things about streaming is you don't like if you're watching a stream, you don't really think about all the stuff going on behind the scenes, more or less. But like to everyone else that was in my life, they started thinking I was a YouTuber. Like, like, oh, he's a YouTuber. Like people would say that about me. I'm like, yo, like I don't make any money <laughs> off YouTube, not even enough to cover like beer expense at best. Like it like it is not for it is not for, you know, it's not my career. Uh, it was really weird um, because I always saw myself as a trader and first and foremost, and I still view myself. And I think I'll always view myself like that um, because I plan on trading for a really long time or as long as possible. I love the financial markets and trading them. Um, so that was a little bit weird because you gotta, you gotta schlep all this stuff around. Oh my God. When I was traveling, I, you know, I felt like I had a whole like studio with me every time it was exhausting. So yeah. always, yeah, that was, that was a lot. That's what made traveling so difficult. I think if I was only trading, I think it would have been a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I streamed a little bit. I, I don't know. I probably streamed for maybe like five or six months total out of my whole YouTube since I started it. And that was, I don't know if that was, I guess it was January of last year. So it's been like a little over a year. And every single time I ever stream, I miss every fucking trade. <laughs> every single one. Like, I mean, you, you sit, you look over for two seconds and, you, and then all of a sudden the whole trade's gone and you're like, well, okay, well, I guess... uh. I should be a YouTuber because I'm not fucking trading. So, yeah, it's a little bit one or the other. I felt like um, you can kind of get used to it, but I think if you really want to do both, you have to kind of ignore your chat room. And I had a hard time doing that. Yeah. Um, and like Ross Cameron, he he doesn't look at the chat room, for example. So when he does his streams, I think that's yeah. really the only way because you have to be dialed in if you're trading. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in a way, it's almost easier when you have a shit ton of people watching it because you don't have to have this intimate audience. Like when I was streaming, it was always me, Nate, Gons, and like maybe two other people would pop in for like a minute or two. But I was just interacting with them so much because, you know, it's just us three. So it's, I should answer them, answer questions. <laughs> yeah, it's like a that. bit weird if, if you ignore the, the, you know, the handful of people in the room. Uh, uh -huh. That's how it started off with me too. We had a handful of people then. Obviously, COVID came along, 
Well, actually, it was already like around before COVID, we started growing nicely, but COVID was really a big spike because everyone was now home. Um, so we were hitting like, you know, I don't know what our numbers were, like four, 450, sometimes near the high. And then, you know, you have just the stream going like crazy. You have to moderate it. I mean, at one point, you're, you're barely trading anymore. Um, so yeah. actually, I always did most. And I think this is why I got so good at trading pre-market is because I did all my trading pre-market. And then like at 930, I started streaming or whatever it was at the time. And and then I would just be fully distracted. So like the hour and a half, two hours I would stream, I would be like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I would place like three trades. <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. That's probably what started your whole like, uh, when the market opens, that's when I give back my profits type shit. <laughs> Dude, maybe, maybe that's where it all originated from. That's a stressful yep. thought. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I don't really stream anymore. I like the, I like the quiet and focus. I even have earplugs that I wear sometimes that I just want to be like dialed in. Uh, but yeah, just no distractions. Sweet. Uh, Toby, I remember, I mean, last week we talked a little bit about how you found the community, but what was your first experience with stocks? Uh, I, I got into stock market, I think, fairly early on. My mom tried to teach me a little bit about it. And, you know, so she started me with a Roth IRA when I was, I think, still in high school, to be honest. Um, That's cool. And we really didn't add on to it, but it was kind of the lesson of this is what you're supposed to do with your money. And if you want to have something built towards your retirement, you kind of keep putting it away. And then I started uh, when I made the U.S. ski team right after high school, I started picking up sponsorships and things like that. So I needed a place to start putting putting money away. So I hired a financial advisor and and started really engaging with him and talking to him a lot about what was going on in the market and and then we started figuring out, he would give me some leeway of what I would like to, where I would like to put my stuff. And then he would say, well, that's a pretty good idea. I will agree with you or that's a horrible idea. So it was a yep. nice lesson. And uh, so I think that's when I started getting the sponsors and started having some success with skiing. That's when I had the opportunity to start to learn about the market more and more. And then as a, as a, once I made the U.S. ski team, I coached at uh, summer camps and things of that nature. So I'd go to Whistler, Canada, or go to New Zealand and coach um, kids and adults how to ski moguls. And uh, I met this guy, Kevin Robick, and he was working with, uh, I think, Bear Stearns at the time. And he was <laughs> a big financial guy. And so, you know, I, I really started getting into it, talking to him. And, you know, he, he lived a life of luxury he had you know the nice cars and we just know. real quick is he broke now uh no he, he was embarrassed he, he, he got he got out before that <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he's he was he's the man he was uh he was teaching me about a bunch of stuff but at the same time you know i just you know was kind of in awe of his lifestyle being like wow this is something that you you know you really can make a living out of this and then i never really thought about it again of course i always thought about my portfolio and stuff but it was just a managed account by my broker but um or my advisor but then uh come covid and being stuck in china and not being allowed to to leave our training facilities i i had to figure out a or i didn't have to figure out a way but i was i had so much downtime i was like thinking there's no way i can continue on with this coaching career stuff it was it was killing me i was away from home for too long and then being in china we weren't even allowed to leave the building so like we weren't allowed to go outside and get food or anything of that nature so it was 
was pretty difficult. Um, you know, all the food that they served us was kind of buffet style. And of course it was all Chinese food and was all geared towards the athletes. So it was, wow. uh, yeah. it was kind of a rough existence. They wouldn't even allow us to leave our, you know, we had a training facility. So we had like, a, you know, like a, a small area that we're allowed to move around in. And uh, there was a gym there, but they weren't even allowing us at time to go to the gym. Only the wow. athletes were allowed to go to the gym and work out. So, I mean, we're just sitting in our rooms doing nothing for a long that's brutal. Of time. And mm-hmm. so that's when I started getting into, okay, I need to do something. How am I going to make money outside? Uh, how am I going to make money? And I don't want to do this traditional job stuff anymore. And, uh, you know, of course, YouTube, I turn on YouTube and I'm just laying in bed or something, watching YouTube. And if I get like a advertisement about oh yep. well, day trading <laughs> i'm like well i know all day traders lose money <laughs> uh-huh. yep. i went down the rabbit hole a little bit and started i found ross cameron started watching all his videos <laughs> and then i found alex winkler and started watching all of his videos and then i before i knew it you know i signed on with trade journal and trying to figure out how to do the google sheets and then copy them off the google sheets and and yep. all that stuff and like you were saying earlier alex like I kept getting like the wrong version, so it wasn't kind of syncing up correctly. <laughs> but uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. So I was watching a lot of your live stream streaming and a lot of like Ross's old videos of of his live streams and um, kind of got the bug and just, I probably should have, probably should have, you know, done some paper trading and things of that nature and just kind of taking it easy. But I kind of just opened an account and just threw some money at it and let her rip. I wasn't trading big share size or anything, but just to see how it was going. And, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, trades were easy. You get that beginner's luck. You're like, oh, this is pretty easy stuff. You can just, you know, make a trade, make a couple, couple hundred bucks and be done for the day. And then, uh, and then I found out it's a grind. It's, you know, you, the beginner's luck wears off very quickly. And then you're, you're seeing yourself lose money very quickly and that's a hard pill to swallow. And then it's like, well, this is obviously something that I can't do into the future. If I'm going to be losing money every day, I'm going to be, be broke and be in a bad situation. So I had to kind of, I kind of had to reinvent myself three or four times throughout this last year, trying to figure out how to become a profitable trader. That's awesome. Sounds like everything pretty much everyone does, <laughs> you know, it's, that's, it's like the same story for every trader really. Uh, for me, at least, uh, in high school, I remember the, well, my dad has always been a little bit interested in the stock market, but he's the guy that just puts money and never, he's never traded or anything. He just has a person that manages all of his funds or whatever. But, uh, the first time I ever was even introduced to anything is I had a friend and he, the one time he left class and was on the phone and I was like, why'd you leave class? It was in high school. I was like, why'd you leave class? It's probably in like 2015 or something. And uh, he was like, oh, I had to make a trade because I was up on this. I was up on this trade because he had to call the broker or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? Like you can trade in high school. And I was like, okay, this is a little weird. So I downloaded like uh, some app that was a simulator with the same market data. And I don't know what the hell happened, but I bought like, I went all in on like GM or something for no reason. And the next day, I was up like a million dollars fake money in this account. And I was like number five in like the fucking world on this stupid app on my phone. And I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And that was like the first time I ever was even anything happened with the stock market for me. And then uh, I go to college. 
I don't really, I'm not involved with the market at all until um, I had a girlfriend for the t- at the time and we were together for like three years and we broke up. And Tim Sykes, he was a tennis player in high school and he like broke his arm or some shit. And he would tell people that since he broke his arm, it was like a million dollar injury because him breaking his arm made him be a trader because he didn't want to play tennis anymore because he was good at it. And then since he became a trader, he became a millionaire, whatever. So he would always tell people that was like a million dollar injury or whatever. So I thought that to myself, I was like, Ooh, this is painful that me and my girlfriend broke up. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make this a million dollar breakup. So I literally took a piece of paper and I wrote like on a piece of paper, I said like 1 million in five years, um, something like that. I don't know. I stuck it right on my door. So like every day when I walk outside, when I walk out my door, my bedroom, I would see it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it all started with Tim Sykes. I pretty much watched every video he ever created um, and then kept doing that for a while. And then uh, COVID hits, I get like six grand from the government from filing for unemployment because it was the moment I got out of college. um, Can't get a job anywhere. and the government was just giving away free money. All my friends were like, dude, if you just sign up for this unemployment, they'll give you $6,000. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it. I do it immediately. They just send me like six grand. It was the dumbest shit ever. So I'm trading with, dude, it was crazy. Um, (laughs) I was the first trade I ever took in my life. Okay. This is what I'm, this is my next question. I'm going to ask you guys, which was my biggest win ever. Okay. So I put all of that six to this day, to this day, to this day, to this day, my (laughs) first trade I ever took in my life was government money. And it was my biggest win ever. And okay. I just bought it. I bought spirit airlines. It was right when COVID crash happened. So every stock is down 50%, probably more spirit airlines. I bought it for no fucking reason at all. I literally was just like, I liked flying spirit. And uh <laughs> said no one ever. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm like, Spirit's a good company, they're cheap, you know. I, I'm whatever. So I buy Spirit Airlines. I wake up the next morning and I check TD Ameritrade, like not even in any urgency or anything. I just look at my phone plus 700. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like, so I was amazed. I was and I the state uh Spirit Airlines went up 15% overnight. I had no, I just got super lucky, whatever, made $750. And then that was like the day where I was like, all right, well, I'm never doing any hard labor again in my life. I'm never going to get a job again. And I'm never going to have to make money from any other way in my, yeah. So that's how it started. And then ever since then, I've been chasing that win. And my biggest win to this day, besides that one is like 150 bucks. That's with the futures, right? Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I've had swing trades that I've had like a couple thousand dollar winners, but um, nothing that I... Yeah, strategy. Yeah. In terms of like legitimate trading, like I was looking at my stats the other day. I was like, when was the first trade I ever took? And it was back in, it was in 2019. And I was like, I haven't been trading for four years. There's no way. And then I was looking back and you like when I actually started trading daily, it was pretty much... March of 2020. So I'd say about yeah, that's like a, two years of full-time now. Not like that's a full-time, really important, but... important observation for sure. It's like, when did you really get serious? Because if I look back, you know, technically I placed trades, uh, you know, in college and then I, I placed some trades even before then, but you know what, 
you know, and what counts is like this strategy going forward. So for me as, as well, um, like even when I started in 2019 to stream, I didn't have a really a strategy. I was basically, I'm going to do some sort of like top gappers. And then I was like trying to figure out what that even meant and how to go from there. So I, yeah, it's where, where did you start doing that specific strategy for sure? Yeah, I honestly don't. Everything before that is just noise, really. <laughs> That's why it's so funny that like my first trade ever, I make seven hundred fifty dollars. So fucking hilarious. That was just amazing to me. Like I'll never let go of that. This the day that I make seven hundred fifty dollars in one day from like legitimate my ideas. I came up with this plan. I have this strategy. I made this money X Y Z. I'm fucking throwing a party and I'm spending every damn dollar of that 750 bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're close. You're close. I can feel it. You're, you're, yeah. You're getting better getting and better. Bigger winners. It's, it's getting bigger there. winners, yeah. more consistency. Slowly. Yeah. To me, still the number one most important thing for trading is your bankroll. So, like, that's my, that's why, like, even so far into it, like, could I be trading one ES contract where, it's technically 250 shares of the spy and I go for 10 point moves and on one day I can make $500. Sure. I could try that. But like, why would I do that? If I, my number one, most important asset is my bankroll. And I, if I lose that, I have nothing, I can't do anything. And I don't want to, you know, have to stop trading for three or six months to build a bankroll back up through a job. So my whole philosophy yeah. is like, figure out what your monthly expenses are. Make sure you can, if you're going to use your trading account for that, do it and then pretty much guarantee to yourself that you're trading not for income right now you're trading for fucking learning and education so i totally yeah, plan to for my account to basically go to zero by the time i'm successful and that's my whole plan is like i expect my account to probably go to zero before i'm like actually successful at trading because i'm going to use that all for like education money basically in terms of losses not like paying someone so to teach me, but... can be expensive Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Education's really expensive when you're using $2,000 position size as a starter and small caps. And you're just like, oh, this is how I'm going to learn. I can lose 200 bucks a day. Yeah. Do that for five days. You just lost a thousand fucking dollars in one week, you know? So uh -huh. yeah, it's yeah. like when I quickly pivoted to options, <laughs> I had like a 3k yeah. winner, 3k loser. <laughs> so yep. like, yeah. That was hectic. That was really hectic. Um, all right, so Alex, what was your biggest win ever in terms of trading? And that can be either like with a, a specific strategy that you're doing now or just like ever in terms of like maybe like a swing crypto position or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that because I, I did have a crypto swing position. Um, let me share my screen here for a second. Uh, do you guys see that? Yeah. So, I mean, these are my stats and I don't have any of my crypto stuff here. I, I do have like, actually that's, that's fake news. I have like a few crypto things here. It's down like 1500, but this is like, like a few tiny positions that, um, I don't know. I, I, this was none of her part of my actual trading crypto thing. This is just a few things I was holding after that phase. Um, so it's, I, I should go back and document everything, but I would probably have to do that somewhat manually because it's all over these random brokers. But I had, um, I think it was XRP and there was like a perfect first stare on XRP on the daily. And I put in, I think like $7,000 and I wasn't trying to 
day traded, I was like, okay, this looks good because I remembered, you know, from a few years back, uh, like, okay, you know, chart patterns and stuff. I understood what it was getting support. This was, I forgot what year this was. Uh, I think, I think it was also like around 2017 or something. And it went from like 50 cents or slightly below that to like 270. No, I think it was even like from 27 cents to like I should remember this a little bit more clearly. I have a whole blog post on it I could share. Uh, <laughs> I have a whole blog post on it because I was like so stoked about it. Um, it went from, yeah, roughly like, let's say 30 cents to like 250. And then we had that big wick down that you see after you go, um, like, let me show my face again here. Um, stop sharing. So when, you know, a ticker goes like... Um, uh, exponential basically parabolic some people say and then it has like a huge flush down and then it pops right back up again uh, like on the daily chart now imagine it could also be on the one minute chart but this was the daily I basically sold everything on that almost perfect retest of the highs and I made I think it was like 45,000 or something something in the 40,000s wow. and I was like oh my god that was so nice um, but then I ended up investing most of that in crypto and almost all of it went to zero, unfortunately, uh, mm -hmm. which would have not been the case, but we got hacked and during one of the bear markets and most of that, some of that investment was in there, some other stuff. And I lost like 27,000 in that hack. And wow. that put a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth with crypto. And then I built, I built up a second crypto portfolio slowly. And then that was in BlockFi and I lost, oh, I don't know, like 50,000 on that one. <laughs> and I wow. was like, oh my God, crypto's not working out for me. <laughs> no, between those two losses, that was pretty heavy um, of, of losses. So yeah, not so important for this. What I think I'll, I'll share my screen again for what we're talking about biggest loss, right? Yeah. Okay. Or biggest or, win. No. Biggest loss and or biggest, biggest win. Okay, so in terms of like day trading momentum, this is actually really funny because when I went through my stats here, I was um, really pleasantly surprised to see what I found. So my biggest losing trade is 2,000. My biggest winning trade is 5,000. And and this one is actually an, an options accidental trade. I didn't even take a screenshot. Uh, it was a <laughs> call. That, it was like one. So this one's not even worth talking about. But this is really cool. And this is this is my day trading momentum front side strategy, which I think I'm going to iron down. We could talk about this in future podcasts to only trading pre-market potentially um, mm -hmm. for this front side strategy. Um, I think that's a different topic. Anyway, um, so if I go here to largest losing trade really fast, this is crazy because uh, first of all, this trade is so ugly. So don't make fun of me. I don't know what what I was smoking during this day. <laughs> but I take a trade here and I like lose a little bit. And then for some reason, I size into a backside and I don't cut my losses until there's like a flush here. And then I cut my losses. This like looking at this trade now, like knowing what front side, wow, backside, yeah. VWAP, everything is, this is like the worst trade I could have done. First of all, I don't trade backside anymore, period. And like, this is just... What am I doing? You know, where's my risk management? It's so embarrassing, this trade, but it's kind of funny here. So my notes, I was like, okay, I have a perma ban on backside for the next two weeks. <laughs> I put it in my calendar when I was allowed to trade backside again. So I thought that was really, really funny. Um, nope, nope, nope. Uh, 
held this sucker to my max stop while averaging down. So averaging into losers. Like when I look at this trade, um, because you you told us today to look up our biggest winners, biggest losers. I looked up this trade and I was like, oh my God, this trade is like the embodiment of everything we talk about. Uh where, you know, don't average into losers, you know, specifically when the thesis is over. Um, you know, be careful being a long biased trader, trading the backside, all these like core things I did wrong in this trade. And this was my biggest losing trade in this strategy. And I think there's so many lessons to pull out of it. So I thought it was a really cool one to be able to share with you guys. That's cool. That and was two years ago too. Like pretty much. Yeah. Two day. years ago. Huh? I, I was, I was about to go through my personal journal and I was like, what the hell was I doing on Feb 4th? Like why, <laughs> how, like what mental state? Because I also said something right here. I said I was was foggy in my head, so maybe I was hungover or something, or I was sick because there was a time where on some of my streams where I was really sick or something, but I was still streaming and still forced myself to trade, and I, I don't really do that anymore. So I, something must have been wrong because this is a really horrible trade. Um, at least I stopped out eventually, but you know, then you know, I don't know who knows what would have happened, but it doesn't matter. the The second trade. The biggest win, and this is crazy. This is also really crazy. It's like go, going full circle. Um, <laughs> so this was a front side, of course, and it wasn't even that big size. It was 5.4 thousand uh, max amount, 600 shares. Can that be right? Oh yeah, it's a more expensive stock. And I have some notes on it, but uh, this is crazy. Accidentally overnight trade. It was an. <laughs> I was remember an this shit. So this trade, it was a it was a new gapper, and oh my God. we. <laughs> oh my god, this is legendary shit right here. I remember this on your stream. You were like, yeah. So I woke up and I was up five k this morning. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh. oh my god. And I think at the time, my biggest green day was like I don't know fifteen hundred dollars or something, maybe two thousand, because I know that was my biggest green day for a while. Um, and yeah, how crazy was this? So I had a I, I had a limit order here that I forgot to remove. I think I play, I don't know when I placed it. Um, I don't even like, it's hard for me to even conceptualize because it doesn't even make sense. Oh no, it, here's, here's what happened. Now I remember. So I entered here with 600 shares and I only closed 300 shares. And for some reason, I thought I closed everything. I turned off TOS, ended the stream, blah, blah, blah. And the next day, you know, it's up here. I get online. It's from 926 to 35. And I just, you know, 7 a.m. retail uh, traders can trade on TOS. I just close it because I'm like, I don't know what the heck's going on. Obviously, it, you know, pumps up a little bit more. So maybe some FOMO came from that. But you guys know I've been, what have I been working on? Holding longer, going for, you know, daily swings. And those have been working really well for me. I've been getting, you know, big winners, 30% winners and stuff, which I never do with this other strategy. Um, I need to iron it out a little bit more and I've been working on it like crazy and I can't wait to share more about it with you guys because uh, I think I'm making some really good progress on it um, today alone. A, a lot of it um, is really hands off now where I set my uh, stop, my profit target, unless it's a first gapper, I don't want a profit target. Um, I just have a stop. And so, so it's kind of like recreating this accidental trade is basically what I'm working on doing. Um, but it's really interesting. So I'm, I'm happy you asked us to check those out. That's a really good lesson too about the new strategy because one of the things you keep bringing up about this strategy is the fact that you should not watch the price action whenever you're doing it. 
because it's much yeah. easier to just take bracket orders, let the trade go, don't overmanage it, just let it sit. And then obviously the one trade you ever took that was your biggest winner is that exact thing. It's crazy, that's huh? So funny. Yeah. And it well, I that's didn't great even, examples. Yeah. That's why it's so good winners, to go through yeah. your stats. Um I I you can't click here and like sort from your top biggest top um uh, losers or winners. We're actually gonna update this and fix that. It's not for some reason it was a lot more complicated than we expected. It was gonna be a quick fix, but nothing ever turns out to be quick in coding. I swear it's like it's a, <laughs> the biggest headache. But um yeah, this is gonna be sortable. So right now you can only see your largest winners here or by you know obviously narrowing down the dates. So if you want to like only for January or so. Um, but then let's say I will be able to now see in the future all of my biggest winners and, I, and biggest losers. And that's going to help me in the future be like, okay, what are my biggest winners this month? Let's go through the top 10, see what I did right. What are my biggest losers? Let's see what I can avoid going forward so I never do those mistakes again, or at least set up systems to make sure I mitigate the risk of me doing those mistakes again, or the likelihood, I should say. Yeah. All right, Toby, let's hear it. What do you got? Biggest uh, win, biggest loss. I was just looking at my stats too. Uh, my biggest loss was thirty five hundred bucks, which uh, I, I remember that trade. Like, you know, it's I I did the same thing as or, well, not exactly the same as Alex, but I was you know I was deep, like probably about fifteen hundred negative, and then I was like, okay, I want to average down, and it kept sliding on me, and then I froze. I was like holy shit, this is such a large amount of money to be losing. And I had no clue what to do. Like, can't rewind the clock. You can't do anything. The best thing to do at that time is just take your mess and just get out of the trade. But I just kept letting it sit, letting it sit, letting it sit, thinking it was going to bounce back at some point. And it never did. And eventually just had to, you know, sack up and just close it and just take the loss. Um, so that was, I, and you know what, it's, it was a tough lesson, but I've also, I've, I've done it again since then. Definitely yep. not quite to that mm -hmm. extent, but I've definitely have had, had a couple of them get away on me a couple of times. And that's really what I've been working on a lot is to, to keep myself from, from doing that and freezing. And now I'm getting a lot better at just cutting it and not even looking at the PNL. I don't care what the number is. If it's lose, if I, it's going negative on me, I just got to get out and, and then reassess what's going on. And I'm trying to get to a point where I just, even take like a five minute break and get away from my computer too. Cause I've, yeah. a lot of times I'll take a losing trade and then full size hop right back in think, saying, okay, I want to make it back right away. And you're already trying to catch a ticker that's going against you. It's going to keep going against you and then you lose even more. So um, those are some of the tough lessons that I've, I've learned uh, with uh, the bigger losers. Um, the biggest winner was, 25,000 or not 2,500. 2, and that was uh, when BBBY was going hard in like, uh, I think it was June or something. I made a, I think I can share it probably. So, well, you can't find the trade probably because I made like 5 million <laughs> that day. But this was, this was my biggest winner. <laughs> and it was. Which, which, yeah, where was this one? 2000 shares 1056 on oh no it was august not june august 16th 2022 was a tough year so it was probably somewhere right around here <laughs> wow. 
it doesn't even look that like um like a bad spot to oh 10 20 i think it's that flush that big red candle maybe that's no I, I uh this is my biggest winner 2500 bucks oh okay why was i thinking biggest loser never mind so yeah that was my biggest winner i I'm pretty sure I still was negative on the day, though, even with a $2,500 winner, because you can see I overtraded and I was doing fairly yeah. guys. And that's another absolutely amazing. <laughs> but you what, say, Alex, what can can you walk through this trade at least uh, the one you think it is, uh, and just like what was your how what was your size? What was your strategy mentality? My size, I I took two thousand shares. And then I, I just kept, um, I remember I just kept like kind of like wow. just selling a little bit, buying a little bit, selling a little bit, and then just kind of, kind of rode this curve right up here before that, that drop down here. Wow. That's, that's pretty insane. You probably traded like maybe two or $3 million worth of <laughs> shit, worth of dollar volume in that day. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. each position size is what, like eighty thousand. Yeah, I was. That is that is the definition of if you want to make more money, don't trade more. I'm well, maybe not. Don't look at the picture, but size up. That's really what it is. You know, size up. That's a three yeah. percent profit trade. Yeah. Well, like I, I watched your YouTube yesterday, Alex, and then you that, like you said, yeah, I think you said something like that in there too. Like, it's. Definitely the key is not trading more. I feel yeah. like it took me a long time to get to the realization of the more the more trades you make, the more risk you're putting on yourself. Yeah. Yep. There's only two, three with with the small cap quick trading that we do, maybe even like 10 sometimes a day, but probably less, usually like five. With the SPY that Colby does or futures, I mean you're talking like one, two, max three setups a day that are really worth trading. So it's you're not trading more necessarily if you want to make more money. It's basically just sizing up. Otherwise, you're yeah you're taking on that extra risk like you mentioned. Yeah, it's I, you take on a lot of extra risk the more trades you do. I I believe for sure. And I've that was I've overtraded a million times for sure. And I I love trading, so it's kind of one of those double-edged swords because I would like to just sit there and be able to trade all day. You know, it's kind of. A cool thing to be able to do but at the same time it's not going to help my my wallet or my my bank account yeah it's so true it's like uh i don't know you're like hanging out with the boys and you just want to play video games for like three hours you know but it, with trading it just doesn't work like that like the, the longer you're in the market like so i'll have these amazing pre-markets i'll be up two thousand sometimes and then i spend the the next hour and a half basically till 11 a.m or so going to max loss and those are the most frustrating days ever like i'm destroyed at the end of those days like i'll walk in the living room just lay on the floor my girlfriend's like uh-oh what happened or she already yeah. knows what happened but you know i'm like i'm so mentally exhausted on those days um yeah so i i'm really thinking about just trading like 90 minutes or so i, I don't think i could do any more than that i was i kind of like that idea you have too i wouldn't i wouldn't mind that strategy of just trade pre-market there's there's yeah. enough there's enough opportunity there and like there there really is or maybe if you're on the the west coast you know just trade uh let's say market open till 10 30 or something like that but like get really good at one specific time slot i think is 
is better than because if I start trading at 7 a.m. and I want to trade till 11, I'm I'm looking at the screen for four hours. Not to mention I'm in Europe, so we're we're I start trading then at 1 p.m. So then it'd be 5 p.m. when I wrap up. But I already had a morning work session. I wake up at like 5:50 and I work, and then it's like on on coding and all these other things that I do. I studied today. I just studied. I studied straight four hours straight uh, pre market or um, in the morning. And, you know, then you're just exhausted. Like you just make, you have decision fatigue. Like I can feel myself making worse and worse and more emotional trades. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky because, uh, like one of the problems with trading is that we all want it to be our full-time income. But the problem with that is like most people will start out trading and you make money from something else. And that takes up, let's say like seven or eight hours of your day. And a lot of people don't realize like that's a very big benefit actually to have something that takes up a shit ton of your day because trading is so addicting that you will sit there and you will trade all fucking day if you can. And it takes <laughs> yeah. so many years to realize that like, holy shit, I'm addicted to trading. Like it took me so long to get to the point where I'm now like, I'm only taking a trade if it's these five things happen and this is a perfect setup. And then now I have to kind of pull it back a little bit because I'm missing so many good trades now because I'm too patient. So mm -hmm. it kind of goes into a little bit into the next question I was going to ask is, um, is like, are you using trading as your full-time income um, or do you have other sources of income? And how does that affect your trading whenever you are using it as your full-time income or if you have those other sources? Toby, you want to go? Uh, yeah. So for me, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to do it as my full-time income. I, uh, I don't have any side work or anything that I'm doing currently. Definitely puts a little more stress, stress on you knowing that your money has to be coming from somewhere. I, I'm fortunate. I have some, some extra money in the bank that if things go really South, I, I'll be able to, bail myself out for a few months at least no problem but it's uh i'm it's something that i'm really confident that i can do and i'm going to keep working hard to do it and i don't need to make a lot right now i just just enough to get by is kind of the goal and that's why i have a lot of days where i'm like recently where i'm just starting to cut it up up 300 up 400 bucks done for the day don't get myself into that situation where, okay, I was green and then I'm max loss and then I'm still trading. Yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to really work work on my discipline is the best thing I, you can call it. Just keep working on discipline, trying to, I'm trying to be more patient and that's been actually working out a lot for me as well. Waiting for the trades to come, not just jumping onto anything. I used to jump onto almost anything. If it's moving, I'm going. <laughs> and trying to get some you know setups going and stuff like that and it's been working out a lot better sometimes you have to just jump on it in this kangaroo market you know if it pops you you got to take it <laughs> uh ross is really good at that i don't know how he does it so well he'll he'll trade this you know little weaseling one minute candle that comes out of nowhere with no volume and then it just shoots up 50 percent I, to me, that's not my style. I realized it and I just don't do it um, because I always get burned on those. Um, so it's fine. I don't know how he does it with the volume. He does it like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. And usually a big <laughs> spread. So if you, if it goes south on you just a little bit, you're deep in the hole already. 
Yeah, I don't even like being over like 5% of the volume. And, you know, some of those positions, he he is the volume candle. So it's like, but he's, he's strategy, I've, seen him get burnt. <laughs> I've seen him get burnt on those a few times. But uh, yeah, it is, it is crazy. Yeah, he likes to be the market maker and the trader. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's going to buy the shares to, to sell yeah. to, I don't know, whoever later. It's crazy. The buyer at last resort. <laughs> All right, Alex, what about you? Um, trading full-time income or do I have other sources of income? I mean, obviously, I have other sources of income. Um, yeah. Like how important is it to you to have other sources? Uh, it's... I think it's critical. Like, you know, Hike and I, we still have some some business that we do together and it really frees up the mind. Like there was a time where I started trading. No, when I was trading crypto, um, it, it was turning into some of my income and I was trying to invest a lot. So I was constantly taking money out of my crypto account. And that took a lot, that put so much mental pressure on me because I was like, I have to make... I don't know, some arbitrary number this week or this month. Otherwise I can't do X, you know, and it would put all this extra fuel on my, uh, or like, you know, take fuel out of my tank in a way. I got really emotional about my trading. So what I do mostly now is trade in my IRA and I just know I can't really take money out. There are ways to take money out of IRA ahead of time. Like if you, your first house and stuff like that, um, that's a whole different you know topic, but, or even if you do need the money, like let's say you grow $10,000 to a million dollars, which sounds like crazy if you're not a trader, but if you're a trader, you're like, yeah, that actually makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you just grew tax-free that money, right? So, and then if you want to take out, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, you only have to pay a 10% penalty on top of your income tax. So it's, actually not that bad if you really do need to take money out of your Roth IRA because you still get, made it to a million without paying taxes. Um, otherwise, you would have had to pay, let's say, 50% taxes on that, you know, or up to if you live in like New York City, you got state, city, and federal taxes then. So that's that's why I mostly trade my IRA to reduce the stress. Um, but to answer the, I guess, the original question of, you know, full, full-time income, uh, yeah, in, in theory, this is my primary job. I mean, even YouTube, it swings like crazy. Some months I had in the past when I was streaming, I would make slightly north of a thousand. Right now, I think I make 40 bucks a month off of YouTube. So like, it's crazy how volatile it is. It's more volatile than my trading statistics. Uh, wow. It's crazy. So you can't rely on on YouTube, I feel like for income. And uh yeah, I mean, I, I would say the, the most grounding thing is really like all the projects I did in the past. Um, you know, I had several companies and those things are are still churning out. They're like dividend stocks at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. But, cool. Uh, uh, for me, I I did try, like right when I first started trading, I tried to make it my full-time income immediately. And then like Alex was saying is like every week I would take, I would be like, it would start out that at the end of the month, I'd be like, all right, I'll take out like 700 bucks because that was my monthly expenses close to that. Um, it's really even less than that because I still live at my home that I grew up in. And um, I did that for a while. And then after about a year of me trying to trade and make that a full-time income, I basically was like, okay, if I 
even assume for one day that I'm going to use trading as my income. Trading is awful because I trade like shit because I try to make money. And whenever you try to make money in the market, the market just slaps the shit out of you. You can never go into the market and demand returns. They will just, it'll crush you. And so that yeah. happened to me every day for a year. And then um, I think probably... I guess it was probably like seven or eight months ago, like a little bit early into last year, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to take any money out of my accounts anymore trading. It's not going to be anything I use for income. It's going to be trading is trading. And if I need money, I have to find a way to make it elsewhere. So I do some, uh, like I'll do like landscaping and like just any kind of freelance job, I'll take it in the summers, which works actually pretty well. And then right now, um, so my family grew up on 70 acres in like Western Pennsylvania. So we have all this land and we have this awesome like pond over here. That's really cool and pretty. And uh, I was like, shit, I've been seeing all these Airbnbs recently that are glamping Airbnbs. And it's like a, a tent basically that's like has a cool deck and it has like a shower and a bathroom and like a wood burning stove and all this, like, I don't know, people from the city like to just do that shit to pretend like they're camping. And, uh, and I was like, fuck, I could build one of those on my property. And like, it would not change anything about the property because there's so we've 70 acres. It takes up like a hundred feet of fucking space. So, um, at the end of summer last year, actually it was more of like in October, probably, um, I started building this cabin and I built this awesome cabin. I spent like five grand on it and, um, I couldn't do anything obviously throughout the winter, but for the summer, I'm hoping to just get it finished as quickly as possible and then rent it out. Um, right. Hopefully that can make me, I don't know if I have like a 70% occupancy rate, which is being extremely optimistic and I'm charging like 150 a night, I could still make like anywhere from like five to 10 grand over just the summer months, which would be great for me because I'm living basically as cheap as I possibly human being could live in America. So, um, cause they don't have to pay rent. America's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, dude, not paying rent is like a game changer because if I had to do that alone, I I would I would have to get a job. There's just no fucking way possible that yeah. Yeah. So I mean if if Tom was here, he'd also say like having having a second source of income is critical. Um he's at training right now for for a job. Um nice work for work from home job. So he's gonna be mm -hmm. able to still trade after his training is done. And that's I think that's really the almost the key. Um to have that flexibility. Yeah, I need to find, I'm trying to find something that I can do like at nights. Like I would love to do, like my one buddy, he used to like stock UPS warehouses at like 4 a.m. And I was like, dude, I'll fucking take that job. It was like 20 bucks an hour. I was, I'll do that shit. Um, or like a bartender or something like that. But I think that in general, the old, the more I trade, the more I realize that this is an extremely, extremely, extremely important aspect that people don't really talk about because everyone wants that. I trade and I only trade and that's it. But like even the best traders in the whole world, sometimes they have years where they're just in a drawdown, like a year straight. Um, Matt yeah. has money. He's a, he's a multi, multi-millionaire, uh, small cap, primarily trader. Well, he was like a while ago. He does everything now, but he made $12 million in the first three months of 2020. And then from that to the end of the year, he lost 5 million. And then all of 2021, he lost oh, about 700K. I know, right? He lost 700K all of 2021. 
and now 2022, he has like, he's had like a 45 day green streak right now. But I mean, he made $12 million in three months and he made a video that basically he was talking about how if he keeps on track, he's going to make $40 million that year. And then two, a year and a half later, he's down like pretty much 6 million from that 12. So he's oh, like, I'm going to make 40 and he ended up with only six. So, I mean, only, yeah. but. Well, I mean, I, I guess at that point you take 2 million out and you don't have to worry about a second job, right? Uh, or something like that, right? And then yeah. you, um, but you make sure you don't spend it all. What What does he trade? I don't, I don't know this guy. Oh, you got to look him up. He's, he has the craziest, like there's a GameStop trade he has on YouTube where he made a million dollars in one trade. What's his um, name? Madaz Money, M-A-D-A-Z. Uh, it's fucking nuts. Like you gotta watch his videos on YouTube. I whenever I want to get like into like a like trading like hype mood, I'm like, oh, I love trading so much. I'll fucking watch his million dollar video where he made a million dollars on GameStop in one day. <laughs> he was taking okay, four thousand okay. shares uh-huh. at at like a hundred on that day. It went from four hundred to one hundred in like six seconds. Is this yeah. the right website, this the right guy? Yeah, so okay. go scroll down a little bit I and you'll see I... his PNL. Um, profit since 2011. If you click on that, it might Every time I a see a, a Lambo and a trader, I'm like, this can't be real. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you click on one of those, it'll show you like a graph of his, but it, it just does from now. If you do from like uh, the start, make it like, I guess it already has 2020, so you'll see. In this chart here, he goes the whole way up to 12 million and then he goes, breaks it down. I wonder where this data is coming from. Not from Trade Journal because it'd be uploaded already. <laughs> <laughs> we did just upgrade our server. Yeah. Okay. Wow. He's in a giant drawdown, huh? What's going on? Um, interesting. Yeah. When I see I something to, like that, I would have to look into this a little bit more. It feels. No, dude, he's, oh, he's legit. Everyone knows him. Uh, he's been on like a bunch of trading podcasts, like chat with traders and um, yeah, I'm surprised you don't know him. He's one of the top people on YouTube that I always used to watch. He made all, right, all this, he made a bunch well, of money back when trading was like getting all the hype in 21 and all that. But this is why I like these pots so much, because I feel like I'm, I'm always learning about sometimes really cool things that I should know. So I'm, I'm happy you shared it. Yeah, whenever I see his PL, that's when I'm like, okay, it's very important for the long run to have many, many sources of income because I don't and I ever fucking go a year where I made $10 million in three months last year and I'm just struggling. That would crush me. It would crush well, me yeah. mentally. You, you just so, you just don't want to spend it all, right? I and mean, if you make 10 million, you know, you you yeah. could take out 20% of that and leave the rest in or or whatever. But you know, if you have a couple million in the in the bank or whatever maybe in some dividend portfolio, you're, you're going to be cheesing because like, even if you do have like 2 million in a dividend portfolio and you're making 5% or so a year, like most conserv like the most conservative estimate, you know, you're still going to be walking away with like a hundred thousand. And, you know, that's obviously not like crazy money, but that's, that's a money that you'll never need to work again, just having dividends, you know? So yeah. that's what I think at this point, Although I think the second job more so than the income, specifically for me, like, you know, for example, Trade Journal, uh, 
it's cash flow negative, but it's like a it's a real hobby uh, project, and um, you know it's it's growing into more than that. But that's really what it's what it started as. So I learn a lot. I learn about a lot about coding. I kind of use a different part of my brain, which I really enjoy. It's like these really complex problems that take a while to really think about, as opposed to trading, where it's sometimes a little bit more reactive and quick. So I do like that second job, quote unquote. But really, it's more like uh, just to distract myself from trading a little bit. Uh, I think that's there's a lot of value there because as we were talking about before, you know, just trading 60, 90 minutes, sometimes all you need to do. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, having a multitude of hobbies is definitely super important. Like even like guitar has saved me a ton of money because I'll be sitting there playing <laughs> guitar and missing trades that I probably shouldn't even be taking anyway. And like, it's kind of, it pays to be distracted sometimes because it's hilarious that trading is the only job in the fucking world where you can work more and make way less. So, yeah. And there's nothing more frustrating than it's like, you know, sometimes, like I was saying earlier, I'm up 2000 after 45 minutes or, or 60 minutes of trading. And then I proceed to give it back the rest of the day. So you, you work longer to make less and it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the most frustrating places to be as a trader. For sure, mm -hmm. hands down. Um, so yeah, you need something else to do. If I wasn't in Berlin at the moment, I would do a lot more nature stuff. You know, I grew up at the beach, like water sports. I feel like I'd be doing some some something like that. In Berlin, it's a, it's a little difficult. Who knows how long I'm going to keep living here? It's like you yeah. always have to go clubbing or something. I don't I don't even like clubbing. Um, <laughs> so that that takes out like ninety percent of the options uh, yeah. for Berlin. No, it's not that bad, but it's definitely that kind of city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how are we doing for time i'm i have i set a timer like a little bit after we started but i'm at like 50 what? minutes right now i don't know if you guys want to yeah, keep going good. or not we're, we're cool. definitely good you could yeah you got a few more questions for sure cool all right toby i'm gonna ask you this one what aspect of life are you most disciplined in whether that's like exercising, eating healthy, daily meditation, studying for trading or whatever. And how have you used that discipline to translate it into day trading? Well, uh, I definitely don't meditate. So <laughs> that's off the books. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think my my background is uh, attributed a lot to, to my success overall in life. Um, to be a professional athlete, you have to be extremely disciplined and you have to be able to do a lot of things that most people wouldn't want to put themselves through. Um, small things like, like you said, nutrition, of course, um, being able to go to the gym every day when you don't feel like it, but even more so like not seeing friends and family, not having like a lot of close friends because you're traveling and you're focused so much on your, on, on becoming the best athlete you can be. So I've, I've learned how to, to really, you know, to really become very disciplined with how I do everything. And I think that translates to, I could translate into a lot of different aspects in life, you know, to be, to run a business, to when I was being a coach, to a, as a professional athlete, this is, these are kind of the kind of the key things to be able to, I'm very, very okay to get myself into a schedule have a routine and stick with it. That's, that just is, comes almost second nature to me. I don't even have to complain or think about it. I just wake mm -hmm. up like a robot and do it again the next day. 
Yeah. I mean, employees love hiring anyone that's been a professional athlete for that exact reason. My little brother, he wrestles and he, uh, he's the most disciplined person that I know. And he's always talking about how, you know, like it's discipline is really a, a tricky thing because it cannot be taught. Like there's a lot of things you can learn in life uh, from other people and discipline is not one of them. Like if you have disciplined parents, that does not mean at all that you are going to be disciplined. You have to learn through uh, basically knowing that every single day, if you do one thing that you really don't want to do, but you know, it's good for you. If you just eventually do that all the time, every day, no matter what, no matter how badly you don't want to do it, you just slowly form that muscle. And then, um, it just relates back to it. It starts translating into almost every aspect of your life. I mean, that's what I've noticed for me, at least it's like, I was not really a disciplined person growing up, but, um, I became disciplined through trading, I think, which is kind of backwards because I feel like it'd be a lot easier if I was disciplined in other ways. And then I got it for trading. But for me, my discipline started like when I was thinking like, well, why am I trading every day and not even looking over what I did? I feel like if I'm just trading and not reviewing any mistakes and I can just repeat those mistakes endlessly and I'll never even realize what I'm doing wrong because I'm not even reviewing my mistakes. Like a mistake is okay to make. It's not okay to repeat. So yeah. And then, uh, after doing that for a while, like I find myself working out every single day. Now I meditate mostly every day. (laughs) Um, I stretch in the mornings when I wake up, I love cooking and eating healthy. And yeah, I think trading actually made me way more disciplined in my normal life. So what about you, Alex? I couldn't agree anymore. Like, uh, I was, I, I probably, I'm a bit more like you, like in a way I, w- I was kind of disciplined, but trading definitely, um, put the nail in the coffin when it comes to like a very disciplined lifestyle. I mean, you're, you're kind of tied to the clock a little bit, like, you know, like, Oh, like I, I didn't trade today, the market open. Cause I was like, you know what, I'm going to lock it in again. Kind of what Toby was saying. And I was like having like a nervous breakdown. I was like, I was going on a walk with my girlfriend. It was like nine, um, yeah, nine thirty Eastern time. So here it was uh, three thirty, and I was like, oh, I th- "This is the first time I think I've been outside in like three years during at three thirty. It's like I was like, all these people around me, they're not traders. <laughs> so yeah, you get really, really disciplined as a trader, and I think it's great. Um, I know my girlfriend's always telling me she's always like. I think Alex, you're the most disciplined person I know. Uh, and yeah, you just get into these routines and they can be really, really beneficial. So um, in terms of like what aspect in my life I'm the most disciplined is, I, I, oh, that's that's a really tough one. Like I definitely exercise every day, you know, since I was, a, you know, growing up surfing and then being in sports and stuff like that. I feel like exercise is just like key. Like I'll never really go a week without some sort of exercise. And most of the time it's at least five times a week I'm, I'm working out. Even on my road trip, that was six months long. Me and my friend made it a habit. Every new city we went to, we went to a gym, got like a day pass. And we were in a new city pretty much every other day. So we were still working out over half the week. Um, I don't I don't meditate, but I like I said, I work out a lot. Uh, eat pretty healthy. I do intermittent fasting. And every Monday I fast a full 24 hours. And, uh, I, you can, you can pretty much ask me, Alex, it's, uh, you know, 10 AM tomorrow, what are you going to be doing? And I could, I could tell you exactly what I'm going to be doing tomorrow and, and every day. So like every day I've, I've, 
I'm like like clockwork basically. Unless I'm on a holiday and I take totally off. Like last year, I yep. took like a whole week off or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like pretty much. Yeah, that's exactly how I am. Every single Monday through Friday, it's always the exact same, except for Friday afternoons. They change a little bit because it's the weekend. But like, I give myself Saturday and Sunday to kind of like do whatever shitty yeah. things I need to do for whatever. And then uh, Monday through Thursday, I'm on the fucking clock. I'm not. There's no minute that is not planned. Like there's That's not enough amazing. time in a day to even like, it's crazy. The older you get that, like the days get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. You have no, there's no time to do anything. Dude, we're like, halfway make... through the first quarter of the year. <laughs> like last night I was like, shit, I want to make a YouTube video. And it was like eight 30. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do Cause my girlfriend wanted to hang out with me. And I was like, I, I want to make a fucking YouTube video. So I'm going to have to go do this. And it took me like two hours and I was like, damn, bro. Like, I don't have any time to do fucking anything. Dude, making YouTube videos is very time consuming. Like, even like quick ones take forever. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, like once I actually started editing the videos instead of just doing the like push start and whatever happens for six minutes is what you're going to get. Now I'm like actually editing them and I'm like, oh my God, it's so much more work. Yeah, the editing is heavy. Um, and also shorts. Like I spent mm -hmm. 30 minutes yesterday trying to upload a video to TikTok and I was like, why the fuck am I even doing this? <laughs> Dude, I know, right? Seriously. I was about to lose my mind. Um, but I'm trying to, because we have the the trade journal shorts. So I was like, okay, because I have a, a social media manager that basically does all my social media for me. I don't, I don't look at my social accounts really. But he, but nothing, no one's doing trade journal. So I was like, okay, well, let me try to do it on TikTok. And I just couldn't figure it out. I felt like, I felt like, you know, the grandpa who's like, I don't know how to use this app. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That was me. It was it was embarrassing, but it was yeah, it's kind of stressful. It was a good short yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> Did I watch that? I don't even remember. Um, which one's the last one? I think it was. Um, we have Tom talking about trading. The other one was oh yeah, it was oh, yeah, the yeah. trading girlfriend one. That was the one I uploaded. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, hilarious. That's funny. Uh, All right, let's do one more question here. This one's not as uh, existential, but. So what is, let's start with Alex. What is your best practice for dealing with a trading drawdown? Um, I don't even know if I have a best practice, to be honest. Uh, what I do is I kind of have a general philosophy that, you know, you guys know it's, uh, you know, you want to limit your downside, but not your upside. So once you're trending down, even if it's for the day, for the week, for the month, I keep reducing size. So on the day, I'll reduce size a bit uh, until I'm back in the green. Otherwise, I can't be sizing up because if I take a big loser now, then I'm going to shoot past my max loss. Uh, max loss is is my most important thing. So I cannot break that at any means. And then there is um, uh, like if it's red, if I'm red on the month, for example, then every day I need to be taking smaller size until I'm green on the month. So it's always like basically the more I get into a hole, the more I reduce how deep I can actually get into a hole. So yeah. Cut size. It's the easiest way to manage risk. I want to ask what Toby does, but I don't think there's a better answer than that. <laughs> well, that's the perfect answer. I'm technically yep. in a drawdown still because I have, I, from when I started, I still haven't yep. totally broken even. Yeah, same with me. But uh, I that's kind of what Alex just said. You know, when when it, I, I at one point I like 
in June, July, I was thinking I was starting to get it a lot. And I was starting to have some good consistent months. And then I, and then I just started snowballing into negative months. And then I started reducing size again. And uh, I'm just now starting to peak out of that reduced size and starting to size back into to my trades again. But a uh, mm -hmm. big key for me was just get green and finish. I've heard Ross say it a million times and didn't really believe it. And I'm like, man, if you just do like one trade, that's, I can't just prepare for, you know, one two second trade and then be done for the day. I got to do at least 10 and then you keep making up these new rules and yep. then it just becomes a problem again. But uh, what I've been doing now is just, yeah, if it's green. I'm trying to just take, take the green, be happy with it right now and uh, keep trying to grow, grow my uh, trades or my size up, but uh, really trying to focus on taking good, good quality setups and uh, waiting for those to show up. But usually in the past, not that long ago in the past, I just tried to trade anything I could, but I really am trying to be patient and waiting for those setups. And they come, they definitely come. You just have to sit around and be patient, wait for them to, to come around and then attack. Yeah. You've had a really good month so far. Um, but I I just wanted to say, don't lie, we, when, you, when you're in a drawdown, all you do is trade more. <laughs> 300 trades later you're back to break even yeah. uh, i'll never yeah. get over the most crazy that the most crazy running pnl i have ever seen in my life no that is 100 percent some kind of record and if it's not a fucking dollar amount record i mean obviously there's people that have definitely lost more and made back put percentage wise of like average position i guarantee you that's some kind of fucking crazy <laughs> record 300 trades wow. in one day and it's like it's all there look at that i can really feel the emotions on this chart because all the <laughs> chart is is human emotions and like put up you know on a chart yeah. and that's i could really feel it in here you know here's like the you know i'm doing okay here's the capitulation here's like let me try to get it back frustration total capitulation kind of realization and then you start building yourself up mentally. This is where the trader athlete comes out for sure. I don't, I don't know how I would have done here, but looks like a mogul. I think I would have threw my laptop out the window right around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the month has been going really well for me this month. So fingers crossed and keep trying to make good trades. Yeah, for sure. Oh wow, you're full green. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really good, man. Really good. But you know, and that was the, one more thing I was thinking about was, and I think I talked about in the last podcast a little bit too. But um, really, just my biggest focus now is just like I said, have a green day if it's possible. But if there's no trades setting up, I need to be okay with not even making any money for that day. My biggest problem was, and I know for a fact that was, I want to make five hundred dollars a day, and then putting myself into terrible situations, trying to make $500 a day when there wasn't an opportunity to make $500, $500 on that day. And it's much better to take your wins when they're easy and we'll, you know, take your six, seven, $800 and let it average out to be 500 in the long run, rather than trying to hit this arbitrary goal of $500 a day and then making really poor choices to reach that number. I'd rather just kind of, you know, if it's going to be a hundred dollar day, just, Take it, be grateful. But on those days that you're you're trading well and every trade seems like it's going to work out or is working out for you, size up big and 
make it average out to be $500 a day for the month. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those concepts. That's one of those concepts about like, uh, like Lance Brightstein will always bring up the whole, like, if you don't like, if you're playing poker and poker's a really awesome analogy for, uh, trading because it's unlike trading in that there are set odds, no matter what, at all times, you know, exactly what your chances are. Um, because there's 52 cards, you know, trading has like 10 trillion cards and they change every day. So in poker, if you get pocket aces, um, you have to bet like a pretty decent amount before the flop comes out, because if you don't over time, you are an unprofitable, uh, poker player. Now, obviously you can take that so far where like, if you're playing it against professionals, like sometimes you don't, you want to limp in, you don't want to, uh, three bet in the pre-flop with like a pocket pair, pocket aces, pocket Kings, pocket jacks, whatever. And in trading, it's so hard for us to know when we have that, those pocket aces, um, because it just takes so many years for you to truly identify those like legit a plus setups. And we always are so confused. Like we'll watch Ross and it's like 4k, 4k, 2k, 1k, 5k 20 250k and we're like what the wait what the fuck how he made 250k in today like just in one day and same with like mad as money he made a million dollars in the gamestop trade because that was a once in a lifetime opportunity you know there's also another guy i watched he made a million dollars in the gamestop um trade called mir barack he trades large caps mostly but that is like one of those huge conundrums that I've been trying to focus on more recently. That's why I'm really bummed at myself today because I think we had like, you, like Alex was saying before, there's usually only about three good trades every day. If you're, especially in large caps. And today we had like five incredible opportunities that were just perfect. A plus we made a lower high in the pre-market. We had a high to base off of yesterday. We're at the upper range of the options expected moves for this week. The MACD is bearish. Everything is lining up. Everything. We're below the 13 EMA, below the 15, the 50 EMA, below the 200 simple moving average, below VWAP. We have a gap fill of the downside. I mean, there's just like, I could say 10 things that are happening and they all line up on the one day chart, one year, one day chart, the 30 minute chart, 30 day, 30 minute chart. And then on the one day, the two minute chart. So it's like when all those are lining up and you have that pocket pair, you have to size up. And that's something that Breitstein is so good at that he'll be like, it's not just a sizing up to where it's like, oh, I'm going to take 2X my normal size. No, it's like 10X. Like when Ross is making those 250K days, he's not going in with 8,000 shares instead of 4,000. No, he's using 40,000 shares, you know? So yeah, the volume's there. Yeah. And like, as time goes on, we just have to constantly every day ask yourself like what was this quality of this setup i took was it good was it worth it to size like was the size i used correct in terms of you know the probability of this trade so yeah and the only thing i found recently that that is the most obvious time to really have those a plus trades is whenever you have a perfect setup on the intraday a perfect setup on the daily if they are both perfect that's whenever you have those really rare opportunities because we get intraday setups that are pretty clean a lot of the time but if they're still down 90 percent on the daily chart okay well you're only you're longing into some 
type of bag holder, huge resistance, no matter which way you put it. So obviously whenever you're in all time highs and you're breaking out and intraday is lining up, you're a five minute 90 MA all day. And it's like, that's whenever you have those exponential opportunities where, you know, you can make two to five months of profit in one single day, you know? Yeah. A big problem I was having, it was, I kept on trying to size up slightly more and more of my green days and just yeah. keep increasing size when, you know, you kind of just need to have like a bit of a base size. But then when you see that, you know, you have that pocket aces, like you mentioned, you just need to, you need to really 10 exit. And so when I'm, when I'm trading and I, I came out with a, a recap video yesterday, not a recap, but I just basically published my live trading yesterday and you could see me walking through each trade. Um, Toby was commenting on it, how I was commenting through each trade. And on some of them, I'm like, I didn't size enough here or, you know, okay, that was like a 3000 shares. I should have done, you know, at least twice that, or like, this was a really good setup. So I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself, what are the good, what are the bad setups? Cause that's so fundamental. If you, if you want to have those huge, huge green days at one point, which we all do, obviously. Yeah. It goes back to that same thing of like, when you, if you want to make more money trading, you don't need to trade more. You trade with yeah. bigger size. It's that same thing. Yeah. I guess, but that's the thing that fucks me over too, because like <laughs> I should trade more with trend continuation, but I just can't, I just don't know how to trade more with that strategy, but yeah, it's so tricky. There's so many trading is just hilarious because you do one thing one day, it teaches you something really important. The next day you implement that role or implement that idea and it makes you lose. And then you do it again. And you kind of just like this smoothening out process over time of realizing whenever, like if you took a trade and you won, that doesn't mean it was a good trade, dude. That doesn't mean <laughs> shit. Like I have this guy in my discord that he literally drives an 18 wheeler truck all day. Okay. And he just pops in every like half hour. Cause he can look at his phone and he'll just, He'll be like, oh, I'm in a call. Like he has no strategy, nothing. Like love the guy. His name's Gabriel, but he has no idea what he's doing at all. And the day that Jerome Powell was talking two days ago or three days ago, whatever it was, the market was just flat all day and he got into a call, right? So he's betting on the market going up and he just was in a call. Wasn't even looking at the market at all. He just checks his phone at like whatever, 2.30. And the market was at the very top of the day, very top of the day. He was up probably 300% on his, on his call option. He sold it. And then he said, and then another guy in our discord just said something, some arbitrary thing like, oh, this is like a tweezer top. Like it's like a pattern for price action. And then he was like, oh, sweet. I'm getting in puts. The guy just got into puts, goes in his truck, drives away, pops back into discord 30 minutes later, the market crashed. He was up I 10 saw. points. 10 he points. Ten fucking points. It takes me a month to make like four points. Okay. This guy's up 10 points in one trade. And then guess what he does? He checks in. The market is at the very low of day. Sells it. Gets back into calls. I, I swear to God, I'm not lying about this. Gets back into calls, rides it back up, sells it at the end of the day. So this guy is not even watching the market, not doing anything. And he took three of the best day trades I've ever fucking seen in my life. Okay. And he has no idea what he's doing. And that's like, it's, it's cool that that's a possibility in the market, but you got to realize that sometimes you got lucky and there's like, you can learn from everything, but I don't know. 
It's just that's yeah. that's where the beginner mistakes or the beginner luck, beginner's luck comes in because you just you kind of look at something you're like that feels right you kind of go into it with no like you don't overthink it you just yep. do it uh but then you're like oh wow i could really do this full time that was so easy and then you start overthinking it then you got to start paying the bills then all of a sudden you can't make a green trade anymore so over over the years or you know however how long it takes you you kind of boil it down to that very simple uh philosophy again where you kind of started at but now you obviously have more framework to base everything off of. And then you're like, oh, this is a, you know, pocket aces. Oh, okay. 10X size, boom, done. You know, yep. but you, it takes a while to, you know, get past that beginner's luck and that, that nasty area in the middle until you have that clarity again. Yeah. It's such an interesting way of like learning something because 99% of all education that exists pretty much in the world, it's pretty clear when you're wrong. And you, you know, when you're wrong on anything, yeah. really any, any denomination anywhere, like math, physics, engineering, doctors, you know, like you, you're wrong immediately, but trading, you can be wrong and still make money. So that's, yeah. that's why it's so tricky. And it takes so long because you have to weave out all these profitable trades that were actually awful. And it's yeah. like, it tricks you so much into thinking that you're better than you actually are. So I'm going to send over my two swings that I closed out. Remember I was asking yesterday and then I made a poll. Is it better to close your swings? Um, if the trade thesis is starting to fizzle out a little bit, I basically, I left both of them. One hit my max loss. The other one looked at my max loss. It didn't execute. Thank God. And popped all the way up to my profit target today. Wow. And so, you know, both of them, I was about to close out. Um, they're, you know, smaller sizes. They're not so crazy right now um, in terms of P&L and like making a big difference or anything like that. But, you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta let these, these trades ride a little bit. I, I'm excited to talk more about swinging, I think in our future podcast. And I also want, uh, or I'd be super curious to hear more from Toby about any sort of trading. I mean, uh, athlete mindset or or things that you could bring over to trading and share with us yeah i'll think about it for sure that'd be super yeah, we can make a whole episode about that for sure just yeah. with toby <laughs> yeah toby's mindset and what <laughs> got a top 0.0001 olympic athlete in this motherfucker right now yeah yeah we gotta milk it <laughs> dude i was watching those videos toby it's crazy dude jumping you fly up in the air and then you have to do moguls right after yeah and you're and you don't even hit you're not even really bouncing in the moguls you're just you basically once you hit the jump you're straight down the hill after mm -hmm. Dude, is it so like crazy. a is it a score of time to get to the bottom and also like the trick is that how it works Time trick and then also the technique of the turns and the moguls yep okay it's wild yeah it looks wild and like I'm, I keep thinking about my girlfriend's knee surgery while I'm watching it. I'm just like, how's he doing? <laughs> yeah, Toby's knees go from his toes to his forehead, just like <laughs> fucking just. <laughs> and I never, I've never had an ACL repairment or anything like that either. Just no, no, awesome. no real major injury from skiing. That uh -huh. is so amazing, especially when you're doing that kind of stuff. Where I feel like any wipeout is could be heavy. Yeah, like how do you fall gracefully on moguls? <laughs> oh, you don't. I mean, you break ribs and and all that yeah. stuff, and fists and mm -hmm. shoulders and clavicle. But 
I mean, those are kind of minor injuries. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Super minor. I think I've actually, I think I broke a couple of ribs like last Sunday. So I've been oh, that's good. sleeping last couple of days. <laughs> are you still actively skiing or what's up? How, how are you doing? Oh, there? I don't, I don't ski anymore. When I was coaching with the Chinese, I would ski with them and I would actually still jump and stuff. But, um, I, I don't, I've been doing it for so long. And I just, I don't have any passion for it anymore. Yeah. So I'm okay. Not, I, I say it right now, but probably change later, but I'm okay. Not skiing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like competitively, I know not competitively, but like on jumps or more like even like a family vacation or something like that. Family vacations, like, just, no, I, mean, I loved okay. competing. That was the biggest thing for me. That was the thrill. So mm. skiing part is like, yeah <laughs> yeah okay i got you i got i got what you meant all right that's crazy interesting i haven't well, yeah, i was out fishing tried to walk on like a a moss covered rock and feet slipped out from under me and then landed on my ribs right on the rock and i've been oh. in a sore place since then <laughs> damn did you get anything fishing or were you spear fishing uh, no, I was fishing for squid. I lost my lure and I got a, and I bruised or broke a couple of ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fishing. <laughs> Sounds like trading. At least there's not, there's other things where you can go try to have some fun and you I get tried, destroyed. I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to fish like in the mornings at least two or three times a week now. And that maybe that's my meditation. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I go out like before the sun rises so i'll be out there like five in the morning until eight o'clock in the morning and then come back breakfast gym study trading and then get ready for pre-market that's awesome that's a great when schedule do you sleep that's what i'm trying to figure out <laughs> uh well i try not to trade that late so i've tried to be done by 10 10 30 every day okay and okay that that almost works then and um, I like to, still... I, I do take a siesta after lunch. The Chinese okay, working for the Chinese, every single athlete and staff after lunch, there was always at least a one to two hour break. You couldn't schedule anything. And no other <laughs> wow. like when I worked for the Koreans or when I was on the US ski team, there was no such thing as taking a nap in the middle of the day. And so I got so used to it because there was not there was nothing else to do. And they you know, just follow their schedule. So after lunch now, I take my nap, so I, I think I catch up on my extra hours there, too. But I'll take sometimes if I know, like, if I know I'm tired, because the pre-market starts at 7 p.m. here. So I'll, I'm, I'll try to take, like, a 30, 40-minute cat nap if I'm feeling pretty tired around 3 or 4 o'clock, just so I'm more prepared and ready for the market open. Yeah, I find that to be very impressive and tough because I, I also do, like, uh, before the trading session, I'll go outside, do gym session outside, and then I come back, have lunch, and then I start trading for that 1 p.m. Uh, my local time, so 7 a.m. Eastern time, and that that works. But man, decision fatigue kicks in probably around like three, and ooh, I can only imagine how it is for you. That's tough. That's probably why you guys are more of like I want to trade for an hour and a half, and that's it. Cause it's so late in the day already. I mean, yeah, there's like, there's, there's just life is starting to catch up with you. You know, you got dinner, you have this, that, you know, and 
it's tough. Like when every time I'm back in America, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. It's like, you know, nine o'clock and I'm kind of done with work already. I got the whole day ahead of me. I'm fresh. And well, I guess maybe that's why it's easy to overtrade though as well. But uh, yep. I don't know. You can make everything work for you. You just got to have to you, yeah, figure it out for yourself. But trading till market close here, um, that ruins my next that, day. <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah. No power of, hour trading. Our hour has been pretty good. It seems like the last month or so. It has been really good, but I don't even touch it. I just see it the next day and I'm like, that must have been nice. You know, maybe I'll start trying to get some on the swing trading. Um, but other than that, not for me. Yeah, I, I don't even get FOMO from it. I was just like, I'd rather get a decent sleep and take the opportunities that I see. There's a, there's plenty of opportunities. There's always going to be an opportunity. Even I used to think, you know, this was still like everything is so new to me still, but even like middle of June and stuff. Oh God, I can't skip a day of trading. Like there's no problem. Skip a couple of days. It's not, the market's going nowhere. Mm -hmm. That's just a, just a, I don't want to draw it out, but I, I, I totally agree with that. And that's a big reason I actually, decided to stop doing the recap videos because that always put a lot of pressure on me to do something every day, trade something every day and try to hit some arbitrary goal every day. And I was like, it doesn't really make sense to do these recap videos because I think it teaches the wrong lessons in a way. Dude, for me, it's just a 24 seven FOMO all day because <laughs> the spy just moves all day. And I wait, sometimes I got to wait four hours for my trade to even show itself. And then I miss it because I'm like, well, it's one o'clock. I'm like, ready to work out and eat and I'm tired. So I just go work out and then I check my phone and then, oh, well, there's a spy doing exactly what I thought it would do, but at two o'clock today, thanks. Appreciate it. Dude, it's so painful. That's why I stopped trading crypto because I was like, yeah, yeah. You, you sit, you sit and watch the charts all day long. The second you take your shit. No, seriously. Like, no. I swear to God, I sprint to the bathroom every time I have to pee and I pee all fucking day because I just drink so much water and caffeine i'm just fucking sprint to the bathroom so annoying yeah yeah i don't know if i can handle that i like my small caps that i pretty much know from seven to eight we can almost get guaranteed action eight to nine yeah. it's always a giant question mark usually i'll take a nap and then obviously the open typically always does something and then maybe 10 to 10 30 we'll get a reversal and boom another big spike but mm -hmm. yeah for me I, I I think, you know, last two days I limited it till 8.30. I wrapped up both days, last two days at 8.30. And it it was nice. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really nice. Both the green days too. So mm -hmm. we'll see what how we go forward. I'm, I'm excited to share a lot more of my research, guys. I've been studying like a freaking animal. So uh, I think we're going to dive a lot more into stats coming up. So it's going to be good. Yeah, we should just dedicate a whole episode to that. I would love to. Yeah, I would listen good. to that shit for a whole hour. I don't care. Before we wrap up, can I share my screen recording? Yeah. Yeah. This was right after uh, the second halt up. I missed, I after the uh, the first halt, I missed the trade. Um, I watched it go up and up and up and couldn't pull the trigger and then went into the second halt. And after the second halt, I, I knew I had a feeling there was going to be a dip. So I wanted to catch the dip and, uh, and then hopefully be on the rip afterwards. Uh, I, my first trade on it. I got in a little bit early. It dumped on me pretty quick. So I went from plus $10 to minus $257 in like two seconds. And then it started to soak back up and it was taking out um, a lot of the ass. So I um, 
I'll just start the screen here. Then I hopped into the trade because I saw it started to, to come back up. And then I held it, held it, held it, and waited till I got to about 250. And then nice. my thousand shares. Wow. That was got a good one. To That's awesome. 300 almost for the day. I like the title Stonks to Hold. <laughs> I said that's awesome, and your account is alias is awesome as well. Perfect. That was my nickname when I was uh, here too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that athlete psychology. You just got a positive positivity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say I'm fucking awesome, and then I take a three hundred dollar loss in one day. My max is a hundred. <laughs> Goldie, it's time to size. <laughs> Alex, I'm a. Bro, one of these days you're gonna wake up and I'm just gonna be standing over your bed like fuck you up, dude. <laughs> Love it, so good. <laughs> it's gonna, I'm just gonna keep saying it until I see no, that. Seriously. Sign. I'm gonna size up one day and I'm sending you a fucking bill, dude. Really, you got an Emma? Because uh you owe me 250 bucks today. This is your, this is your fucking idea, okay? <laughs> I took your advice, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> all right all right yeah all right, all right guys yeah that was that was a good chat uh nice job moderating i think you you killed it it's tricky yeah. man you got you got to like think about where we're at in time and i'm like all anxious i'm like shit like are we going too long and i didn't have to think about that before and I, i'm like damn i don't <laughs> i like it when i don't have to worry about the time yeah i mean it's probably never gonna be perfect but no nah. we'll see it was nice to learn a little bit more of everyone's background too. Something different. We usually don't cover that so much. Sleep tight, and boys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, see you guys in the Discord. Good luck tomorrow.